Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Rogers Place. Uh, early puck drop date, 642. The face-off show with Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, myself, Cam Loon, Jack Michaels, all part of the Oilers Radio Network. And then uh, Cam and myself will have the call of tonight's game on the radio side with Rob and Reed. Brendan Scott will be uh, down uh, by the uh, room for us and uh, be gathering info and intel at the end of one and uh, post-game. Jack and Louie on the TV side with uh, Gene Principe. NHL Hockey on Rogers. Second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort and Casino excitement bet on it. And you can text us on the Ashley Five Floors text line 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted. Ashley Five Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. We're asking right now, why do you think scoring's up? Several of you think it's because the game is much softer. Uh, again, you can text us seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Tweet us at Oilers now. I'm available. Bob underscore Stoffer and Brendan's at Brendan with two E's. Scott with two T's. We'll tell you that Japanese Village open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now at jbedmonton.ca. As we go to River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, he is. The political affairs columnist and cult of hockey writer at the Edmonton Journal, David Staples, and he is our headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. Just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Some of have accused him of uh, also being the uh, chief uh, strategist for the UCP Party of Alberta, but I can neither confirm nor deny that. David, how you doing? Good, Bob. I, I love it that people are making these kinds of accusations against me. It's, you know, it's a good sign. They're clearly very interested in what I have to say. There you go. So much so much so that they're making up some little lies. But oh, they're having some, we're having some fun with you, David. <laughs> you know that. What's, what did Kenny Reed used to say? Uh, like, love me or hate me, just don't like me. Something to that effect. I don't know if I necessarily buy that, but uh, Ken Reed said that. Yeah, from yeah, he's with Sportsnet now. So I used to. Oh yeah. So the skier. 
No, no, no. Ken Reed from Sportsnet. He's not oh, okay. the, the the anchor. Ken Ken's a great guy, and so I did this show with Mark Spector called Total Sports for five years, and Spec did an hour because that's about his level of commitment each day. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Mark requested he went through a uh, you know a personal thing that we'd all have some empathy for, and he wanted to cut back a bit so he could you know. Um, you know, he lost his father, and so uh, he went from five days a week to one day a week. So then I strategized with my chief political correspondent as to uh, how. To, okay, what can I do? So I diversified, and I had lots of different guys. And so Ken Reed was part of Trainwreck Tuesdays, and he used to be Ken Reed. And uh, sometimes uh, we, uh, who's the guy we got? Uh, the Canadians' eighth overall pick, uh, Terry. Uh, what's his name? Oh man, I can't believe it. I'm getting old. Forgot his name. Somebody help what me. Year? Out. Uh, like the 94 draft, maybe? Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan. 95 draft. Sorry, yeah. Terry. And so they were literally hell on wheels on the air. Like, I didn't know what they were going to say one second to the next. We had Robin Brownlee. He'd come on Friday's show and give us a little bit of an Oilers perspective. Jonathan Huntington was covering the uh, then-named Edmonton Eskimos for the Edmonton Sun. It was heavily invested in the racing community, horse racing community. So we, we deployed his services. We had Dean Millard on with Ryan Rashog, uh, you know, uh, over at the uh, other station as well. So we had lots of different, really unique uh, personalities. The one guy I'll tell you that I, I you know, there's, no, I, if I, Dave Jamison was working for the Edmonton Eskimos at that time, uh, I'm roughly in close to the same vintage of Dave, and Dave will be returning to uh, the airwaves shortly, and we're wishing him the best of luck in that recovery. And then the other guy was John Sexsmith, who, you know, kind of philosophically kind of saw a lot of the things. I always thought, geez, I wonder what would have happened if we'd ever done a show together. But, yeah, we had these these Trainwreck Tuesday shows and went all over the map, and people were sort of couldn't predict what was going to come next. And kind of like this segment with you, David, we're never really sure where it's going to go. So, so that's the beauty of the situation. Um, and it's been now. Has it? Are, are we? Because you covered the pandemic basically for like eighteen months. Are is it closing in on an endemic, or are there still people out there? You know, I mean, they've opened up the U.S. airwaves now uh, for air travel. You don't have to wear masks in the planes anymore down in the states. Canada, you know, it's it's interesting. You don't need a test to fly back into Canada if you're vaccinated. Uh, you still need a test, a uh, negative test, to fly into the United States unless you've actually had COVID. Uh, what's the, you know, what's sort of, what are the experts saying on this stuff right now, David? Or have you kind of backed off on it as well? Uh, well, I still track it. And the the latest thing I saw, I think it was his name is Dr. Eric Topol, and he's been a very uh, strong kind of non-political expert on the medical side. And he showed an interesting graph, shared it on Twitter the other day, and I believe it was for COVID deaths. And it's and it's actually essentially the COVID deaths have been are lower now than ever before uh, around the world uh, from COVID. So it's just really good news. And I think um, in Alberta and other places where we've been through repeated waves. People are having kind of a level of knowledge uh, of the vaccines and, and also getting the disease, getting COVID. Most people have had it by now. And the, the, the fear is going away. There's, there are still some people who are very concerned. A lot of them have health reasons to be concerned. But by and large, uh, people, we're learning to live with it and getting on with their lives. There's, a, and I think, an awareness that we've got to get on with our lives. Otherwise, uh, we're going to have some real problems in that regard. All right. Let's switch focus. The show is called Oilers. So I'm going to nail you on a couple stuff here. Here we go. First of all, Mike Smith, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. 
I didn't think he could do this. He's 8-0-1 in his last nine starts with a goals against average of 1.66 and a save percentage of 9.48. He's only given up four goals against in his last five starts. He's got back-to-back shutouts. David, you knew this was going to happen, didn't you? I did not. I was I was totally in your camp. Like, and and we and I think I can put a number on how many people were in our camp, Bob, but people who just doubted it, like just didn't think this was going to happen. On April second, um, after on April first, Smith six uh, five win over the Blues, and Smith led in a bunch of kind of iffy goals, even though the Oilers won. And it was kind of the low point in terms of it was one of the low points in terms of people wanting to send him to the AHL. And we ran I ran a poll on Twitter, uh, more than three thousand people responded and, and it's essentially what should the Oilers do in net and it was uh, play Skinner over Smith that had 94% play Skinner over Smith stick with Smith and Koskinen 6%. So there was only 6% of the people at that time, probably Flames fans, who wanted the Oilers to stick with Smith and Koskinen. Everybody, 94% were saying, bring up Skinner, play him over Smith. And since then, uh, Mike Smith has just stuck it to, you know, he stuck it to all the people who didn't believe in him. And um, so much so, that people are starting to get their hopes up about what this guy can actually do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, I, I am starting to wonder, like, you know, a goalie his age, how common is it? How often do you see goalies this age have success in the playoffs? So I've been digging into that a bit. Well, and what's interesting with him, I mean, all things being equal between him and Koskinen, he has one massive advantage. He's a way better puck handler. And it's a different game when he's in between the And we saw that a bit in Minnesota. Minnesota came out and really hard forechecked the Oilers and created some turnovers. And, you know, particularly the pairing of Keith and Bouchard had a tough game. The last time Edmonton was in Dallas, it was uh, Nurse and CeCe, but it was more off the rush. And it might have been Darnell's toughest game. And I do think there's unnecessary criticism leveled against Darnell at times. It's funny. The same degree of criticism from a from a, a louder segment of the fan base is not there for Poyarvi that is there for Nurse. I find that really interesting. I'm not saying that everybody that's pumping up Poyarvi is anti-Nurse, but there there's to me there's a little bit of disingenuousness in terms of the degree of criticism directed Darnell's game. I mean the guy plays 25 minutes a game. He's a pretty good defenseman. I know some people don't like the number next year. Uh, but he kind of has done it. And in Paul Yarby's case, it, it hasn't necessarily... Everyone's cheering for him. Everybody wants to see him. But it's become a... You know, the guy's got three goals in 34 games. Now he's gone through COVID and a knee injury during that stretch. He's got three goals on 77 shots, David. I think both... Excuse me. I think both of them are going to be there in the playoffs, Bob. Nurse is coming around. He's playing better. He was in a defensive slump for a bit there. He's settling down. And Billy um, Arvey's just been a good two-way player all season long. He's been snake-bitten shooting on net. You know, you brought up an interesting point about Smith, though, that I want to expand on. You're talking about his puck handling giving him an advantage. And when I look at, Bob, the goalies who are over 40 who have succeeded, names like Jacques Plante and Martin Brodeur, um, near the top of the list, older goalies. Both of those guys, coincidentally, really good puck handlers. Now, the best goalie ever over the who had success in the Stanley Cup playoffs, his, he won three Stanley Cups for his team when he was like uh, 38, 39, and 42. Johnny Bauer. Polk check. 
he was he was good with his stick. Now this is before my time, so I can't attest to how how strong he was like passing the puck. But we know he's like king of the poke check. So I wonder if there's there's something about this um, this kind of goalie, this particular kind of goalie uh, that allows these players because they're so smart moving the puck and directing the game, managing the game. It gives them that extra edge and a significant edge. Like and you really notice this. You know, I don't go to a lot of games live, but I have gone to a couple recently. You really notice it live how Mike Smith just totally directs traffic um, when he gets that puck behind the net and how big an impact it has on the whole team. So there's not a lot of goalies who have had success in their 40s um, in the playoffs, but there are some. Martin Brodeur, uh, when he was 39, took his team in 2012 to the Stanley Cup Finals. And Bauer won three cups in the 1960s. Um, other goalies like Gump Worsley has been good in the playoffs. Um, Jacques Plant's been good in the playoffs. So it's not like it never happens. It's not like there's no hope that Mike Smith is going to do this. And based on his recent play, you know, he's now having, for his age group, for, for a player his age, started out the year 39, he's having one of the best seasons a goalie that age has ever had. This is building on his season last year when he arguably had the best season ever for a goalie who was 38 years old starting the season. Yeah. So I got a lot of, I'm starting to get a little little bit of faith here. Yeah, well, back. yeah it's, it's interesting. Once again, it's kind of tough to ignore. Like when a guy's rolling out a 948 save percentage over a nine-game run, that's good. There's no other way to frame it. All right, David. Connor McDavid and the Art Ross, and I, I brought the shooting percent. The team shooting percentage is 585 for Huberto, McDavid, uh, Goodrow, Drysaddle, and Matthews. And Connor's at 7.79%. Goodrow's at 13.46. I don't even want to hazard a guess. <laughs> If Connor was at 13.5% right now, he might have 150 points instead of 110. And part of the genesis of this conversation is that there's been some guys that haven't finished plays off. We talked about Paul Yarby. Again, when I'm talking that he hasn't finished play, it doesn't mean we don't like the player or we don't see the upside of the player. My hope is he becomes a full-time top six player. He's been a top six player here in Edmonton this season, but he, you know, can he become a if he works at his craft, can he become a 23 to, you know, 27 goal scorer that gets 65 to 70 points? I don't know if he can get there. He's still only 23. What's your take on McDavid and the Art Ross? I know you recently wrote a piece on it. Well, Huberto is now ahead of him, right? He's got 111. Yeah. McDavid's got 100. What, what was Huberto's on ice percentage? Uh, he's you... at 10.6 percent, and the teammate he's played the most with is Bennett. Connor, okay. Connor's at 7.79%. The teammate he's played the most with is Pugliarvi, uh, the line mate. I should say line mate. Yeah. The so, Calgary so, guys are all, you know, shooting the lights yeah. out at 13%. They all play together 87% of the time. That's it. They got the best line in the league. Like, Goodrow, Lynn Holman, Kachuk this year is the best line in the league. Leon is at 9.98%, so two full percentage points higher than McDavid 5v5. Now, part of this is also McDavid played a lot with Darnell Nurse, and Nurse was shooting the puck a lot earlier in the season. That was part of Jim Playfair's strategy in the back end. Uh, Yamamoto has spent the most time as a line mate with Dreisaitl. Austin Matthews, uh, 11.85%, and he's played 73% of the time with Marner and 75.6% of the time with Bunting, who, by the way, is up for the rookie of the year and is a year and a half older than Connor McDavid. 
old school AHL guy coming up in the 1960s and winning the winning the rookie award. Yeah. You know, shooting percentages like over a full season, they don't even out like on ice shooting percentages. You can you can get a huge bump in your points total over. You can just be with a hot group of players all year long. You can get hot, and you can get a, a, a you know 10, 10 to twenty points higher than your career average, and um, you look really good, especially if it's a contract year. Uh, Johnny Goodrow. Uh, so we'll see with, you know, these these are obviously all excellent players, excellent scorers. Goudreau and Huberto are, sounds like, benefiting from some really good shooting, some hot shooting. But this could be enough in the end to put them ahead of Connor McDavid. And, um, you know, McDavid has won three Art Ross trophies. I'd love to see him win four. There's very... I think you can count on one hand, I think. Players who have won four Art Ross trophies in the NHL. Maybe, yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a very rare accomplishment. Gretzky, Howe, uh, Yager, uh, Lemieux, right, and that that might be it. Uh, Lafleur had three, so Connor McDavid's in that category right now with Guy Lafleur. Um, so I don't know how much he, I don't know how invested he is, Bob. The interesting thing is the la- the last game that they played. I, I don't think he cares. I don't think yeah. he cares. I think he wants to win. That's it. And the last game he played, he didn't get a point. But I honestly thought it was the best defensive effort I've ever seen from Connor McDavid. He was on the right side of his man from the start of the game to the end of the game in the defensive zone and in all the zones. He was playing solid lockdown defensive hockey. And and I like he's got a score in the playoffs for the Oilers to win. But I have no the Drysaddle and McDavid have got to defend like like uh, demons if the Oilers are going to win the playoffs. And it was it was just great to see that level of commitment to McDavid while. He's chasing the- theoretically, in the fans' minds, at least chasing Art Ross. He was um, he was just playing like that, such strong two-way hockey. So so good for him. All right, uh, David. One more for you, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Bob Stoffer with you. It's one twenty-one in Edmonton. Uh, very contentious off-season trade. Strong fan base for for Ethan Bear here in Edmonton. We had a we had some, not a lot, but we had some of the analytics community telling us that Bear was carrying. Uh, Darnell Nurse at some point. I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. Uh, Edmonton made a trade. They traded Bear for Fogel. You guys did a poll. Were the results at all surprising given the popularity of Ethan in Edmonton? They were surprising to me, although you know, I'm, the, the poll is time just as Fogel's having his best run of play of the season. So, so there's that. But you know, we had we've had almost three thousand people vote, so it's a huge sample size, and about more than seventy percent say the Oilers got a win out of the trade. Really? Seventy? Yeah, seventy percent. More than seventy. It was like seventy-two percent last time I looked. Said the Oilers got a win. Now that doesn't mean the Oilers won the trade. I didn't phrase it like that. Just did the Oilers get a win out of it? So Carolina and may well think that they got a win out of the trade as well. It might have been a, a you know two teams addressing two different needs, and in the end, the the trade might be like what I would call a win-win-win-win, where both where Bear wins. He goes to a better situation for himself. Carolina gets the player they need. Edmonton gets a player they need in Fogel, and it's and it's working out for Fogel right now. So, um, you know, a, on the weekend, I wrote, like, in terms of dark horse candidates for the playoffs, people who I think are going to come through for the Oilers, Fogel was at the top of my list because he has been putting all kinds of hard shots on net, danger shots on net and not getting a lot of goals. He, he is due to start scoring. And it's starting to happen. The, the pucks are going in. And this is a big, rugged, fast player who could help you in the playoffs. So Fogel's stock may, may go up even more as this goes along. And I, I 
I predict. I think it's going to because he he looks like he's got that playoff game. Well, it's interesting. I think he's got three goals in his last five games. I mean, the right side is is very quiet right now. Again, Paul Yarby one goal in sixteen. Uh, Yamamoto hasn't scored in eleven. Derek Ryan hasn't scored in twenty, and Cassian hasn't scored in twenty five. Now that said, Ryan and Cassian don't get a lot of time in the top six with McDavid and Drysaddle. But Fogel has been contributing. Uh, Hyman is, you know, sitting there with 24 goals. Obviously, Evander Kane has been, like, their left side have been pretty decent offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, 8-1-1 one, and one with the Oilers in their last 10 games. What level of belief is in the market right now for Jay Woodcroft? Well, people are kind of going, they're, they're gaga right now about Jay Woodcroft and, uh, you know, what he's bringing to the team. And that's what's going to happen when you take a team that was just teetering, looking like it wasn't going to make the playoffs, shockingly, wasn't going to make the playoffs after the start that they had. And a new coach comes in and turns it around. I mean, this, it's a, it's, you know, people are pushing hard for what I see generally, Bob, is people dissatisfied that he hasn't been signed to a contract like going forward. That's the main sentiment out there right now is what, what are they waiting for? And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a rush or not. I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on my, myself, but that's what I see from, from uh, other fans. How do people follow you, David? Um, at the Cult of Hockey on Twitter or at D Staples on Twitter. Political strategist for the UC. Just, just kidding. <laughs> David, thanks for joining us, my man. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you later. Bye. You, you bye-bye. That's David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. It is 125 in Edmonton. We'll return on Oilers now after this. Now, the Haas is Texas on the Ashley Five Floors text line at 127 St. Bob, a 12% shooting percentage for McDavid. Would put Connor at 64 goals and 132 points. Nowhere near 150, just saying. Uh, now, is that to this point in the season? Because there's still six games left. Like, I, there's a chance that Connor finishes with 120 points. He's at 110 right now. And there is a chance. There's also a chance that he maybe only gets two or three more points the rest of the year. Don't know. Uh, but there's no question this is an oddly low team percentage shooting season for Connor McDavid this year. Again, you can text us at any time on the Ashley Fine Floors text line 780-496-0063. Uncle Milt's coming to the game tonight. Going to look forward to seeing him. And he told me that he had a customer close to 20 years ago tell him a good salesman will sell me one truck. A good service department will keep me coming back. Well, that customer and family have bought more than 50 units from Brent Ridge Ford Auto with Tasquin since then. That same service department is one of the reasons that Brent Ridge just uh, received their 11th President's Award winner for customer satisfaction from Ford Motor Company. If you need maintenance or repairs in your vehicle, call Kevin, Margie, or Mike at 1-877-4774. That's 1-877-477-3673. Still to come, John Shannon and this day in Oilers history. And it's a significant one 25 years ago. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.